The Third Man Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! to the Third Man Podcast, the Jack White Third Man Records History Program. I think we're in the season finale, probably. And I'm your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. It's my fault if it's not. I, I'm your extremely bad at editing on time co-host, James Kaminsky. James had one episode this season. <laughs> I had one job and I it up so bad. It's okay. He's going to send it to me today. It's going to go up. It's going to be great. We are joined. We thought we would bookend the season. I wasn't actually even going to say that, James, but you brought it up. Uh, it's it's fine. It's totally fine. It's all for fun. Points don't matter. We're going to bookend this season. We started, well, sort of-ish, started season, whatever we are now, seven, probably. Sure. With our very special guest today, Luke Sinclair who joined us for an episode we called Top Special, wherein we we gave our top three tour songs from each mm-hmm. Tours album akin to a bronze, silver, and gold medal. Don't ask me what our grading system was. It was stupid. I'm sure we'll come up with a stupider one. I time. think it was great because it was Luke's idea, and he's our guest, and I think it was great, Paul. Well, but let it be on record. Paul <laughs> thought it was stupid. I want you to know I will be weeping myself to sleep tonight over that comment. Hey, yo. So we're going to end the season. Well, hi, Luke. First of all, hello. Hello, hello, hello. 
I just feel as though you're a part of the family at this point, and uh, so you need no introduction, but you, of course you do. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you very much. I feel I feel honored to be part of the, the Third Man family. Mm. Honor. I don't know if you need that. <laughs> Maybe <clears throat> circumstance? Yeah, happenstance, yeah. serendipity. I love the coincidence that I'm here right now. Coincidence, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Uh, so anyway, we're going to end the season. We love that episode. That was a really fun one. We got a lot of great feedback. Actually, it was fun. The best bit of feedback I think we got from that one was... How many people like the grading system? I'm just kidding. Uh, was that it inspired a bunch of people to listen to a bunch of raconteurs music. And outside of an album cycle, sometimes you don't think to do this stuff. So we thought it'd be a great way to end the season. The season's been a little rocky, I must admit. We haven't put out what I would say a whole lot of episodes. We've tried, I tell you. We've tried. But in an effort to end the season on a high note, we thought we'd bring Luke back and do our top three top special dead weather songs from each dead weather album now the dead weather of course are a um i don't know would you call it love it or hate it you two you're experts i think so i mean i know what i liked about the fact that there were so many different groups was i had friends who didn't really care for the white stripes didn't care for the raconteurs but then people who loved the dead weather and that was their entry point and people who loved the White Stripes, loved the raconteurs, and just sat out the dead weather, thought, I'm not doing this. Yeah, I, it's it's happened in our lives as well. I think Paul, Matt Purcelli, your friend Matt, uh, yes. was, a, was a dead weather fan before any of the other iterations of Jack. Uh, it is a unique sound in his repertoire. You know, it's definitely... Uh, more different than than anything else and that has a lot to do with the other members of the band dean fertita having a queens of the stone age injection there and your your allison mossart with the kills stuff uh so there's definitely a deeply dark energy being thrown into it that you don't get with the raconteurs kind of joyous poppy brandon benson and you know greenhorn section and, you know, it's not nearly as angsty as some of your White Stripes stuff, so it's, it doesn't have a lot of that moody teenage Jack going on. Right. And he's obviously taking more of a backseat in the performance of it all by being on the drums most of the time. So it's, it's definitely an outlier in his catalog. So, yeah, it makes sense that people might not love it if they were a Blunderbuss fan. But it also makes sense that people might love it if they were a fan of Queens of the Stone Age or a grunge listener before this and they heard this stuff. Yeah. What's so funny about it is, like you say, Jay, I mean, he literally took a back seat, literally sitting in the back. But at times, what would you call it? Like, uh, would you call it maybe stylized? <laughs> it's like the maybe yeah. the most stylized Jack has ever been in art, maybe not using art terms. But like, then again, there are times in those Dead Weather albums where it does kind of sound like Blunderbuss. And I have a feeling we'll get to a couple of those tracks. And so I think actually in listening to my picks, and we'll just we'll sort of jump right in here in a moment, because I think we should just jump right in. But in listening to my picks, what I noticed is that there's a, there's that teasing element throughout mm. almost all of the songs that I picked. And teasing is kind of, I think, at the heart of the dead weather. If you take the dead weather and all of that goth stuff and eyeliner and shit at face value, I think you're doing it wrong, in my opinion. I agree. There's a tongue-in-cheek attitude to what they're doing that feels like, you know, there are people who do like the goth aesthetic of it and are into that as 
witnessed by like several fan-made music videos and stuff, you like you could see that some people do really like that aspect of it as a serious thing. But yeah, I, I don't think it's meant to be deeply dark. I think it's meant to be funny dark. You saw that in the interviews, certainly like the interview videos they did. It was always pretty, pretty silly. And, you know, it's almost the same approach to the White Stripes, right? That there was this facade of sorts. Yeah. And it stopped a lot of people or encouraged a lot of people to then listen to the music. Sure. You know, one way or the other. It was either you were able to look past the red, white, and black or the, you know, black leather and uh, in the dead weather and actually go and listen to the music or you just saw that and thought, nah, whatever, I'm not going to bother. Now, strangely, I would say the Raconteur's second album, Consolers of the Lonely, is the closest you get to another band being like the dead weather in that there's a lot of that tongue-in-cheek attitude. It seems to be focused a lot on Jack Lawrence mm-hmm. in that era, and Jack Lawrence seems to be a major player in the attitude of the dead weather. And there's a pastiche going on that seems kind of 18th century, <laughs> and the, the, the dead weather, at least in Whorehound, had a lot of that going for it. The tin-type photography. I think that may also be by virtue of those albums coming within a year of each other, you know? Yeah. yeah I think Jack was just in a certain place. <laughs> Where he's like, uh, you know, Nashville was that place, and he had just opened his shop. So you know, that's sense. that's probably it. Yeah, yeah, and maybe. And I would like to rephrase. I think I I, I phrased poorly when I say you're you're doing it. Maybe wrong is the wrong word, but I I think there's more value in it for me personally. I find it more interesting that this is them, as you say, James, putting on like a facade or putting up a uh, putting up this image and then playing in that space. I would argue, actually, I think the White Stripes probably took it more seriously than the Dead Weather. I, I never get the sense, maybe it's yeah. just because they're giggling and laughing all the time in all of their interviews, but I never get the sense that the Dead Weather are ever, ever taking themselves seriously, it, with the exception of maybe like a couple of the music videos. Like Die by the Drop, I find, is maybe like one of the few times where I'm like, okay, they're kind of really going for this. Because then you look at it like the Impossible Winter video and it's kind of funny. It's really well, funny. Is, is Die by the Drop the one with the guns? No, that's Treat Me Like Your Mother. Treat, treat you Mike, Me Like Your treat, Mother. But even yeah, that, that is hilarious. That's that, very funny because yes. they just keep going. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's also, you know, speaking of the Treat Me Like Your Mother video, it's almost a bit born out of, you know, the aesthetic and that seems to have also been born out of James Bond. The fact that, mm. yeah. you know, the first time Jack really gets behind the drums again is for the Quantum of Solace, Another Way to Die song and music video and for the music video and for the tour that they had planned, he had bought all the machine guns. You know, he'd gotten the custom yeah. Ludwig said, yeah. and well, but he, but he got all those custom Gretches and on all the scratch plates on those Gretches yeah. it has the 007 logo merged with his three logo. Right. Um, so it's a gun coming off of the three, which then leads into the sort of the gun thing of all this. Right. Treat me like your mother, and I think there was a general theme around that around whorehound of guns. I, I remember having like a they had a revolver lapel pin as well that said Dead Weather on it, and some of those buttons all had guns on them. And mm-hmm. I feel like those two those two things are always linked in my head: is that the James Bond song, the instruments, and that influence kind of on the 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 first album aesthetic. It yeah. goes back to a lot of what me and Paul started with this podcast, which was trying to connect 
or at least finding all these weird connections between all of the projects forming the music that we were listening to at the time. Because we heard the dead weather, we were like, what the what the hell is this compared to what we were listening to before? Not that I didn't like it. I liked it. It was just a, it was a vast departure. But if you, you start to see the connective tissue. Yeah. And uh, that 007 stuff is a, is a very interesting bit of connective tissue there. I'm curious. I am assuming you started, you know, by getting Whorehound because you were pretty deep in the White Stripes already. So I'm assuming you were keeping up with all the bands and whatnot. Uh, or oh, did yeah. you find them, you know, wh- so what were your initial opinions on, on Whorehound? Well, I remember when they made the announcement for Third Man Records and it was in conjunction with the announcement for Dead Weather. Mm-hmm. It was, what, March uh, 2009. And those things were linked together. And before that, there was so much speculation that it was a new White Stripes album, right? Mm-hmm. That there was definitely this lead up to he's going to do something. What is he going to launch Third Man Records? Or we, we, I guess we didn't know Third Man Records at the time, but what is what's going on right now? And it turned out to be a new band and a new album by that band, right? Mm-hmm. I think with the announcement came the first single, right? Hanging from the Heavens and um, Our Friends Electric. Yes. I think, I think it was really either released the same day or maybe a couple days later, something like that. I got them off of LimeWire. I wouldn't know at the time. But I, I remember thinking, I don't know what is a cover and what isn't at that time. Because it <laughs> it sounded so unfamiliar that anything, right. it might as well have been a cover. Because I wouldn't have known. I remember driving, I have a distinct memory of driving around Yonkers, New York, and just thinking, is this what it's, is this, is, it was like uh, that David goes to the dentist thing where the little kid, where we all laughed, the world laughed at the little kid getting high. <laughs> the little kid got really yeah. high and we we're like, that's hilarious. Cause he's like, is this gonna last forever? And when you actually think about it, poor David, so traumatized <laughs> in that moment. Like thinking, I am high. It, like it's the, like the first time you ever get high, and you're like, "Oh my God, can I ever get back home again?" The destruction of innocence in David, having come from the dentist's eyes, is actually really, really damning on a, on us as a society. But I thought to I thought to myself, "Is this real life? Is this going to be forever? Is this Jack White forever now?" Much in the same way, Boarding House Reach was like, everybody's like, "Oh my God," you know, "Is this real life?" And it was, but it wasn't forever. Now, this is the kind of audio essay <laughs> that you cannot expect an AI to write. Is, <laughs> is connecting the Dead Weather's first album and appearance to the... Uh, Hit me. To, the, 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 to, to David Goes to the Dentist and, and connecting their confusion. And it's, it's really, you know what? AI's got nothing on us, Paul. Our jobs are safe. That people keep saying that. I don't think it's true. Anyway, I wonder <laughs> if David carried that with him. I, I do wonder that. Now, can we discuss how how can we make this damn Daniel territory, uh, where we we are looking at sea of cowards? Are we saying back at it again with the white kicks? Well, I guess that's back at it again at Krispy Kreme. That's a different meme entirely. Man, I'm going deep into meme territory. Luke is sitting here blankly staring, like I thought I was on a. I thought this was an honor. And it is. Oh. oh, we landed on coincidence. Okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, he, uh, David, is talking about this. David, after oh. the dentist, I'm looking this up here. Um, He's got no teeth. He never went back to the dentist. Man. Watching kids who are in memes from like 10 years ago into their adulthood is a real unique oh. thing. He turned himself into an NFT and sold himself for $13,000. 
Okay, that's a great ending for David at the time. All my pity for David. Actually, actually, my pity is now enhanced um, because I do wonder: <laughs> was the psychological trauma of all of that did that result in the NFT? All right, so we're gonna uh, do another grading system here: uh, bronze medal, silver medal, gold medal style. Luke, since I did not remember you created the last one, do you want to create this? I feel like impossible winner is probably the top one, right? That, that's what we call the top one. Yeah, I think it has to be the impossible winner, yeah. Mm, is there any metal-based puns we could... Is there... Is, the bronze weather, the silver weather, the, and the gold weather, is that a That's thing? perfect. You got it in one. Um, <laughs> is that anything? Anybody? <laughs> the, the, is this the thing, thing on? <laughs> Should I talk about David goes to the dentist? One? He was on the O'Reilly Factor. Sure. Oh, my gosh. oh man. Woo. Made it onto the uh, Tyra Banks show and the O'Reilly Factor. Man, man, you want to talk about trauma? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, Simpsons. Anyway. Um, do we have anything? Uh, what, what, what should we do? What should we call it? Well, I think the top one should be the most important part of the band, the bass. Oh, actually, that's better. <laughs> that's better. Let's let's just start. Um, Luke, you're the guest. Can you give us your bronze weather, bronze feet tall? What is your bronze pick for the album Whorehound? Well, fittingly enough, since we were talking about it, it is Hang You Up From The Heavens. Ooh. Wow. And as we were talking about with the James Bond thing, it, it seemed natural that this was sort of the new thing, right? When they made the na- Dead Weather announcement and he was going to be the dr- on drums, it was, oh yeah, you know, because only four or five months before the new Bond had come out and we'd gotten to see Jack behind the drums again. And so I'm sure this kind of sparked a thing of, well, shit, I want to play some drums, you know, play some more drums and be a drummer in a band. Yeah. So this seemed that natural evolution from the Bond theme. And... I mean, how cool was it to listen to that song for the first time with that drum pattern starting it off with? And, you know, hearing that sort of droning bass line and, you know, Allison's great vocal delivery and just getting that song was so great because it was so exciting. And yeah, like you were saying, you didn't know exactly what to expect from this band. And I don't think that single even set those expectations because I think that single then was so different from what we did then get from Whorehound. 
certainly with the B side, I don't think we got much pop from them again, like that B side. Can you imagine trying to pick a single from that record? (laughs) (laughs) Well, but but that's where it lands, right? It it had, it had to be hanging up in the heavens. Like that's, I mean, it, it is sort of the poppiest track on that album. Yeah. And it is the most kind of welcoming in terms of introducing the band. Mm-hmm. It coincides with a lot of what the Dead Weather would go on into with Sea of Cowards and, and a little bit in Whorehound, which is uh, psychedelic pop. Um, yes. They, they have a deep love of, mm-hmm. of 60s psych acid-influenced <laughs> rock. And so that single definitely can kind of go into that territory a little bit. I do remember liking it quite a bit. I do remember liking Our Friends Electric a little bit more, Same. I think. Um, and was a little sad to hear that that was a cover <laughs> and not and not their own. But uh, it, it is a solid song. And it is like a, a single-worthy song. Something that could get radio play. Yeah, it, it introduces you to the band, like you're saying. It introduces... It, we start with Jack and Jack Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And it goes kind of on down the line. And you introduce all the different elements, and then boom, here's yeah. the dead weather. I just, uh, I, I do return. In fact, this was a this was a close one for me. This was like a bubbling under for me. I didn't ultimately pick it, but I do love this song. I actually wish he would do this song live uh, because he could. I mean, I know Allison sings it, but he does harmonize on it actually quite a bit. Um, so I don't know. I think uh, this is, yeah, probably commercially speaking. I would argue maybe the second strongest commercial track on the on the record. I have, I have my other sure. suspicions on the more commercial ones, but yeah, it's. I remember being very confused by it all. I remember thinking, "Did LimeWire fuck this up?" Like I remember honestly, I was thinking back to like uh, Blackjack Illywack and thinking, "Did I get fooled mm-hmm. again?" We, me and Paul had a bad experience <laughs> with downloading Tours songs because we had downloaded an Australian Tours song without knowing. And we're like, I guess this is I guess it. this is them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, remember it all the fine. random Weird Al tracks you used to download oh, off uh, Napster? Yeah, I, I had a Ringo featuring Metallica yep. mm-hmm. track. <laughs> AI is going to make all that so much better, you guys. Um, <laughs> Uh, Brian Wilson featuring Right Said Fred <laughs> featuring a slice of cake <laughs> sounds about right actually no but that's a good pick Luke I, I I do like that song I think it is one of the stronger tracks on the record and yeah it, I guess it's an outlier in a way but in a, in a lot of ways I think that song kind of summarizes the band you know well you know kind of like with what we talked about with the Rack and Tours last time where some of the best tours, I think, is when Brendan and Jack share vocals and they or trade vocals, I should say. This sets up what the Dead Weather would do, which is kind of mm-hmm. something that the tours and White Sharks didn't do, which is more complex changes throughout the song, more mm. instrumental sections, tempo changes, having this idea of more of like A and B sections and mm. just more complex structures than what the White Stripes and the tours were doing, which is, you know, a little bit more straightforward. Yes. Well, I love the tutorial video that they did for Dodge and Burn. And in that tutorial video, you get that Mm -hmm. great moment where Jack Lawrence kind of describes how he comes up with the Dead Weather sound. Really, like, I think Jack Lawrence, in a lot of ways, defines huge portions of that Dead Weather sound with that fuzz bass that he's got going I mean, the most important part of the band. That's right. (laughs) But it's cool seeing him show just how simple it is. It's like two notes, boom, 
boom, boom. And he does it regular. And then he puts on those pedals and suddenly it's the dead weather. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really, really interesting. And I also think that this song is one of the few that could fit on any of the dead weather albums. I guess they kind of all could. It tends to sound similar. But this one, I, I do think would fit naturally on the subsequent records as well. I'm curious, when did the Bumble Buzz pedal come out? Was that oh, 2010? No, Bumble Buzz pedal was a lot later. Because I feel like the Dead Weather was built around that fuzz. 2013, okay. Because it was built around that kind of fuzz, like Paul was saying, with, with Jack Lawrence. And I'm curious if, if they had pedals that they had already made that they then decided to market and sell, or vice versa, but yeah. Anyway, James, why don't you uh, tell us your uh, your bronze bronze weather feet tall? Okay. <laughs> Just, yeah, that's the we did it. My bronze is so far from your weapon. Whoa. Speaking of guns. love this song this song does what i really didn't expect to love about the dead weather because i was unfamiliar with allison mossart prior to this band i didn't we didn't really know the kills we've said it before we only really knew sour cherry (laughs) and that was about it and so hearing her stuff was a revelation to me and and drew me in and, and had me you know look more into her career and the kills career uh and i would say so far from your weapon has a distinct kills vibe to it yes it's slinky it's breathy it's got that and yet still like powerful allison mm-hmm. it's got that gun motif that you were talking about so i don't know it sounds it sounds dangerous to a degree but like in a safe way <laughs> if that makes sense no, it does. it does. In fact, James, you're actually making me regret not picking this one. I didn't pick this one either, but it is actually a really, it's a deceptively sophisticated song too, I think, because it it's it's hooky without presenting itself as hooky. I love the chorus. I actually really like how Jack and Allison harmonize because they're not, I wouldn't say particularly like good at it, but their voice blend is so distinctive. Because Allison kind of goes for this breathy sort of mid-high-ish place. And Jack is kind of reaching almost for a like a lower end, what for Jack would be the closest thing to a baritone or something, which it, he's not. But he, he hits the low end really hard. And he doesn't 
often do that. And so hearing those two voices together, even and they're like slightly out of sync, it, it always gives the impression that it's a jam, you know, which a lot of these songs sound like, but it is distinct to their sound, much like, you know, Linda McCartney's not a great singer, but her plus Denny Lane equals the wings sound kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I want to say this without sounding creepy, but it's got a sexiness to it. I think sex is going to come up a lot in this conversation. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's something about Allison's lyrics and and the way she's singing it kind of low and breathy. And and it's, this song was really cool live seeing her, you know, she's got that kind of stage presence where this song just works. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it mentions whiskey and cars and bullets and it's just (laughs) something, there's something about it that's got that kind of sex factor. Mm-hmm. The sex factor. Did yeah, you the just sex make that factor. up, James. That's really I good. just yeah. No, it's my favorite show on Fox. I think that X factor. That does sound about right. That sounds about right. <laughs> it's also my favorite Marvel comics group. The Sex Men were great, but yeah, Sex Factor was better. Not on HGTV, but it's on DPTV. that was reach anyway you better wipe that smile from your lips (laughs) luke you were gonna say something insightful i apologize go ahead no i i just had i hadn't thought about the fact that this song does sort of seem to it's almost like a mission statement for the dead weather that it summarizes all those things like yeah and whiskey cars guns everything like that (laughs) you want to get up lego I say no. It's it's a good hook. There's also a bl- there's a blues element to it too. With the ah, it's cool. Yeah. It's a cool song. Very anyway, cool that's song. my problem. Didn't they play this one on a uh, Jimmy Kimmel? Did they? I mean, it, it's too cool for Jimmy Kimmel. I'll say, but <laughs> I, I, what isn't? Um, but they, yeah, I he had done this. I still remember it was this like actual live stage, not like in a studio or anything. It was outside, and they played this and. Jack uses like um like timpani drumsticks for this mm. to get that really big sound on the on the drums and the cymbals and everything like that and that's how he does the wash is with those you know because of the, like the felt padded timpani cymbals mm-hmm. yeah his sound is so distinct which is not surprising I guess but it is sort of surprising when you hear just how much of like a regular Joe drummer he can be when he chooses to be like. He's got this really interesting knack for being able to hold down a very commercial, middle-of-the-road rock drum sound, should he want to, but he's experimenting wildly on this record to great effect. And I don't, I don't say that as criticism. I think it's actually awesome. And it, it, again, contributes to that very distinct sound for this band. But it's just sort of funny to me. Like you say, those those big timpani sticks that he's using he uses quite a bit i think actually and it gives it such a i don't know almost like an otherworldly or yeah james you like psychedelic mm-hmm. uh you were saying kind of vibe to it and uh and actually in, in retrospect that's one of the th- things i value the most about this band i would never have heard of the ex- uh, west coast pop art experimental band <laughs> if not for the dead weather yeah. so yeah that sort of trippy vibe is uh crucial here and you don't get anywhere else in Jack projects. And they lean into that mm-hmm. psych blues most, I think, in Whorehound. They yes. do it in Sea of Cowards a bit and, and uh, Dodge and Burn, but I think Whorehound, they really seem to have emphasized it. That was where it was strongest is in this first album and the B-sides. 
Mm-hmm. I'm curious whose idea it was to do these covers because I know Jack um, uh, is the usual influence of throwing a cover in to, for the band to practice. But um, I'm curious if any of these song choices had anything to do with Dean or Allison. I, I can't imagine. Maybe it's, I mean, I can't imagine it's Jack Lawrence, but maybe. Mm. Paul, what's your bronze? My bronze buffalo. (laughs) Which is good. I don't know why I felt the need to just reinforce. Hey, that's good. Let's use that. Um, Is uh, maybe might be surprising to you two. I actually am curious your opinions on this song. Will there be enough water? Mm. Now, I, as a, as finale tracks go, this is a weird finale track. It actually reminds me a lot of how Blue Veins ends Broken Boy Soldiers. Mm-hmm. However, I think Blue Veins takes this the blues thing to a much more realized place. It seems much more intentional <laughs> than this track which scans, like a lot of Dead Weather songs, as a jam. And when I was listening to this today, I was shocked at the amount of mistakes that they let stay in this song. Like, at one point, Allison and Jack sing the wrong lyrics, and they're inversed, and they left it in. They left it in, because that's not the point of this band. The point of this band is to capture a moment in time which was very distinct to a sound that those four people happen to be able to create together. And so ultimately it doesn't matter that mistakes are left in because the whole thing is kind of just a postcard from 2009. It's such a weird album. And I know it wasn't intentionally meant to launch third man. Records. It's such a weird album to launch third man with, but um, I like the overall vibe. It's sort of like a quasi Dylan cover ish, but not really. It's sort of riffs on when my ship comes in which was from one of those early Dylan albums. I don't remember which. Luke probably knows. Oh, the time will come up when the winds will stop and the breeze will cease to be breathing Like the stillness in the wind before the hurricane begins The hour that the ship comes in And the sea will split and the ships will So, But it's not a cover. It's just them using that line and then sort of improvising and i think live this song took on new dimension for me because it's when they give jack lawrence the drums and jack and allison are on the one microphone and it looks like they're gonna 
just they're really merging there. Like that was a weird, must have been a weird moment for Karen. I would imagine. <laughs> she, um, she's friends with Allison. I I don't think there's probably. I don't think so either. But they were, and you can tell there's a wink and a nod there. And Jack is very. I say Jack because he tends to be the one to come up with these things. But you could tell he's very intentionally like, no, 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 let's do this. Let's 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 get close enough energy. to kiss and then not. But it's and it builds not. tension. It does build tension. And that's a continuation of what she had done in the kills, right? I mean, I, well, I mean, actually, the thing thing it's a tamer version of what she and Jamie did in the kills. Yes. yes. But the the thing I love the most about it, though, is that it culmin it doesn't ever culminate. There's yeah. never a money shot. The whole thing doesn't build to anything. There's a couple solos, but even the solos aren't the thing. The whole thing is a tease. I think intentionally so. And ultimately it goes nowhere. It's just all foreplay. And that is unusual. You know, you'd think you'd want to pay. It's the finale of the fucking record, but they don't. And that's a brave choice. It's an artistic choice. Some could argue the success of that choice, but I find myself so enamored with it because in my mind, they pay it off. But you listen to the song and they don't. But I look at that track listing and it was actually easier for me than I thought to pick my favorites. I thought this would actually feel like hard work because it's, you know, dead weather, they tend to sound the same. But no, I, I was like, oh yeah, no, will there be enough water? And then I listened to it. I was like, oh, yeah, this doesn't go anywhere. It just spins around for a while. And that's okay. As surprised as you thought we'd be by this being your bronze buffalo, this is actually my gold uh, for this album. I think the Deadweather are the best when they really lean into being more of a blues band. Yeah. I know he talked about that early on, that saying, you know, oh, don't be fooled. We're still a blues band at heart. And I think when they really lean into that, that's where they're just absolutely the best. And I think the first time I listened to this album, I seem to remember being a little underwhelmed by this track after everything you just heard as well. Right. Yeah. And to hear this was a little like, huh. and then I think on repeated listens, this starts to get better and better, especially once you, you know, in an interview, they talked about the fact that the crickets at the end of this mm-hmm. are genuine from when they were recording they had the you know the windows or the doors open whatever to the outside really and they were yeah he said they were recording this late at night and they had the windows and doors open whatever and they finished and just you could hear the crickets outside and they left it on it and so it gives it this very nice vibe of you know listening to an album at 1 a.m or something like that and it actually it's the first time where it you almost feel like it's a concept album in, in a way of having a, a definite ending, like like a day in the life or something like that. Because it ends fairly soft, right? With at the very beginning of 60 Feet Tall, it builds up, and then this sort of lets you relax. And I, 
I think it's a nice sort of, I guess, I guess palate cleanser in a way. A cigarette. Just, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's a cigarette after sex. You know, it is, it is actually just sort of the relief of listening to an album that, you know, can get pretty intense. That's, that's fair. That's a fair assessment. I don't think I've ever picked up on the crickets, actually. Uh, I noticed those to, for the first time today. I'm going to have to listen back to it. Um, yeah, but I, they I, go on for a while. They go on for a while. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't ring so much as blues to me. It rings more as jazz, and I think a lot of that has to oh. do with Jack or whoever's on drums. Jack Lawrence probably is using hmm. the uh, the fan brush. brushes. Yeah, the, the brushes. brushes. Yeah. It's got just kind of the repeated lyrics, which is a, a theme with not only the Dead Weather but Allison's kind of songwriting is a lot of repetition. Yeah. But it just feels like they're just kind of slinking through this song. They're obviously jamming, as both of you have said. You know, th- this album is a jam album of them just recording a song as best as they can and putting it to tape to capture the essence of Allison being with the Raconteurs at the time. <laughs> uh, so, like, it, it's it's got that feeling of just kind of playing it out, jazzy. It is whispery mm-hmm. and and fun. I like it. I guess if I was to pin it to a a vibe it would be like listening to the doors to me i need to be in a certain headspace in order for it to be hitting just right like the doors if it's raining and i'm driving then yes i will listen to the doors uh and this has that kind of same like you were saying 1 a.m on a summer's night you know listening to crickets or cicadas or peeper frogs or whatever you know it's it is kind of in that realm so I, i i like this song a lot i don't i wouldn't put it in my top but uh, I like. You don't got it. You don't gotta have it. I don't gotta have <laughs> it, but I do like it. I do like. Let, it. Let's move on to our silvers here, Luke. What's your uh, silver? Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my silver buffalo is sixty feet tall. mentioned that in the uh talking about that builds up the album again it's one of the bluesier tracks on the album mm-hmm. and I, I, I don't know i really feel that they do their best when they feel like a, a blues band mm-hmm. but what a way to start the album just very unassuming and then the drums come in and it just that you know the big come down on the toms and getting that nice boom and then just going into the the rhythm the drums make this track 
it sucks you into the record. It feels like with those, you know, those big booms from Jack at the beginning and then the rhythm comes in and just sucks you in and you just there. And of course it's, you know, this is one of those ones, like you mentioned with, uh, will it be enough water? This is one that's hard to separate live. Cause I think I saw two or three shows for the Whorehound tour. And, and, and of course listened to a bunch and it seemed this was their choice of starting off the show, which of course, why not? Right. And what an amazing way to start off the show. And, I think again, it was. I like the song when the album came out, and then when you heard it live, and Jack really just bashes those drums, and you feel the. You know, of course, you feel the speakers yeah. in your chest, and it just feels. You feel that thump right there. You're like, oh fuck yeah, we're here. Yeah. We're here for the dead weather. It is an icky thump. Yes. <laughs> mm. Puns. Yeah. I actually disagree. I think it's a weird choice to start a concert with, frankly. Because it, you, <laughs> you tend to want to like kick open the door, and I should say this was also my silver. Uh, so we are oh, in, we are in complete agreement here. This is my second favorite track on the album for sure, and but it is a weird choice to start because it it doesn't it builds slow, and this one builds to completion in a way that <laughs> will there be enough water doesn't. This one starts slow and then and then huge solos and this gigantic thing and the the interesting thing about this the other interesting thing about this and probably the whole album is there's probably the most dead space on any jack white album <laughs> than on Orhound. there's a whole portions of this song that are just silent I, <laughs> like no no sound <laughs> at all we're all in hand-holding club of, of some variety here because it is my gold Oh, wow. Yes. Your goal. Uh, I like this song a lot because, Paul, like you said, it runs the gamut in terms of, of sound. And also Allison's vocals. That is the... Honestly, Allison is the selling point of this band to me in general. Mm. And she gets guttural with it and dirty. And, like, it's... it's There's something about the way she's 60 feet... Like, I don't know. Yeah. She's got a way of screaming these lyrics you know the, she gets that way in gasoline too mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. and it it this song is it doesn't kick down the door but i'll be damned if it leaves the door on the hinges when you when you're done with it like it's yeah it's good it's really good it shows you what the dead weather is capable of i think better than most of the songs on this album in terms of collaboration and that dead space paul i don't think is and i don't think you were saying it's a a demerit but no it's just a curiosity it, it is to me that tension that dead space builds uh yeah. is is indicative of this band the tension with will there be enough water with will they won't they kiss you know it's there's a lot of tension and the with between the bullets and the weapons and the everything there's drama and tension yeah. and that dead space builds it and makes you wanna just mm-hmm. it's like what is gonna happen what is going to happen next? And I think that's where the dead weather kind of makes it into another tier of band uh, rather than just kind of a, a throwaway project. Well, it's already in that way. Yeah. You know, you're talking about the dead space, but also, I mean, what we've talked about with a lot of these songs is the dynamics mm-hmm. of just, it's, you know, the dead space, but also the, you know, speeding up the tempo, slowing down the tempo, all these things we'd never heard from, Jack before yeah. um, or hearing more of it than we'd ever heard before kind of links up with what they talk about in it might get loud, which is done shortly, you know, not, not long before the dead weather form, right? Jimmy page. And that talks a lot about dynamics of music, you know, going from 
the whisper to the shout mm-hmm. of having it, it doing what he couldn't do as a session musician, right? Which is, like he said, making people's ears hurt and going really fast, going really slow, getting really loud, getting really quiet, getting all those things in there that he'd never done before. And I think Dead Weather, I don't know, I don't know if that was a conscious or subconscious thing he picked up from a Mike It Loud or just a coincidence, but it really seems they took that idea on of those kind of changes probably most dramatically in this album, but certainly it's on Steve Cowards and Dodge and Burn. Dynamics. Light and shade. Whisper to the to the thunder. Sort of invite you in. This track does again what I keep saying, what the dead weather does. It's it's bombastic mm-hmm. and kind of self-aggrandizing to a point in a way, I guess. Maybe that's the wrong word, but it's it's confident, and uh, that confidence yeah. is definitely something we haven't heard a lot of in Jack's music prior to this. And I think that's what he does best, is come out with music that we have never heard before from him. He's trying lots of new things, and that it's, it's nice to hear that kind of just showboaty confidence of, like, fuck you, I'm 60 feet tall. <laughs> you, know, push. you know, it sounds like they're... Giants. I don't know. It's it's a cool song, and they're coming right off that Rack and Tours tour, so everyone's mm-hmm. feeling, everyone's got that buzz. And of course, he's coming off of off of having just done the Bond song and having done it might get loud. And I mean, there's and and starting his own record label, right? Some might have thought this was a buzz killer. Whoa, mm, puns, <laughs> oh. puns. <laughs> Allison's coming right off the tour for Midnight Boom, right? Mm-hmm. It, and which was probably the first, I mean, that was kind of the first big commercial success for the kills. Right. I mean, that was the first time I'd heard of them was when that album came out and it was, that seemed to be really big and they were doing a big tour for it. So it seems everyone was probably just feeling confident and yeah, had the swagger about them of, yeah, fuck, we can do anything. And of course, Jack linking up with someone who also has that much confidence with Allison. I mean, yeah. I think swagger is a good... Yeah. Yeah. And you can interpret that swagger as just rock and roll, or you can interpret it as indulgent, maybe. Hmm. I think uh, I go, I kind of toggle a little with this band I in particular too. between those two. But ultimately, it's just rock and roll. You know, it's, it's just good. It's just good old-fashioned music. Now, that was my silver as well. James, let's talk about your whorehound silver. My silver buffalo is, would you believe it, cut like a buffalo. Hey, yo! Yeah. Just like a domino. I 
This song is ridiculous and kind of dumb, but but uh, I love it. It's Jack White. You know, it's uh, hearing him at the vocals is a nice thing. I, it was like it was a refreshing thing when we weren't used to Allison yet. However, I'm happy that he kind of steps back and is only at the vocals a couple times. And cut like a buffalo is one of those times, and it's and it's a nice fun thing. He's doing a lot of fun. Uh, his his Jackisms of you know choking on a record. <laughs> lyrically, lyrically, a lot of this is strange. But it plays into a lot of Jack tropes of I look like a woman, but I cut like a buffalo. Like, I don't know. It's, it's it, it fits his personality. Honestly, it fits more on Boarding House Reach than it would here because he's going with a lot of androgyny and stuff on that album. But it's loud and bombastic and it's got that swagger, but it definitely is more of a Jack track than the rest of it. But anyway, that's why it's in my silver. It's not my gold. I like it a lot. And I'm... It lives on in Jack shows now because it's like one of the two pl- songs he plays <laughs> in his solo yeah, since, sets. Since Gasoline entered the mix, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was my gold. Uh, oh. This is this was my, and I felt it was an, it was sort of almost too obvious, but in hmm. the end, I think it's the best track on the album. I think it's the most commercial track on the album, even though it's kind of weird. I think that weirdness is what make kind of pushes it down commercially for me. I don't think I could send this to somebody and they would understand what the hell they're listening to. Sure. <laughs> this I think this song distilled is just pun the dead weather. I think you could have taken the three dead weather albums, cut every song but this one and you still would have kind of gotten what you need to get out of the dead weather. <laughs> This has kind of got all of it in there. <laughs> it's got, there's a very distinct do 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 that whole, that sort of slinky do 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 is in countless Dead Weather songs. It would be as if someone took like one Jack song and then made three albums worth of the same song, like 16 Saltines or something. Like if there was just three albums that every song sounded like 16 Saltines. But I don't say that in a bad way because it is my gold. But I just think if you're going to pick one Dead Weather song to play to people, you should probably pick this one because it's the most, out of all the Charlie Browns in the world, it's the Charlie Browniest, I must say. But it's also really good and funny. Like you say, it's hilarious. I do love that all of our gold picks are what we think is the quintessential Dead Weather. And it's all different. <laughs> because I think this, this album uh, is... For what it's worth, the best or worst album they have, it is very much a artist a tone statement. setter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a it's a statement on what they're going to be doing, and all of the songs do portray it quite well. The next album has deviations, and the next album after that has further deviations. But I think this album is definitely this is what we're doing, and you know, like it or love it, you got it. Take it or leave it, yeah. So, I, I agree, Cut Like a Buffalo, good song. I do not think you could send this to somebody and say, like, here you go. <laughs> I think this is it. I mean, it's that do-do-do, like, that's it. I, I remember, I was driving down to see The Kills, the one and only time I've ever seen The Kills. Was it the one and only time? Maybe I saw them twice, I don't remember. I was taking a friend to see The Kills, he had never seen The Kills before, and I accidentally forgot to put literally any kill songs on my plate, mm. on my on my phone. <laughs> So, but I had cut like a buffalo and I was like, eh, 
I, I played in the dead we- dead dead weather. I was like, this is kind of you get the Allison in it, sort of. But then I remember him remarking like, oh, that do 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 is in like half these songs you're playing me. I was like, yeah, I know it's not it's not actually the same song. He thought he was listening to the same song over and over again. He had forgotten because it does sound that there's thematics. Let's call it. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not being critical. It's my gold choice. I just think it's like they do take this song and then do it a lot. I think Sea of Cowards is my favorite Deadweather album, but I love Whorehound, and I think it's a shame that they didn't. They seem to have abandoned some of the sparseness of the first album and some of the quieter moments of the first album. And generally, the trajectory is more towards. I, do, I agree. I cut like a buffalo and uh, treat me like your mother. That sort of overwhelming sound, and you never, you never quite get those moments of quiet or acoustic. The, the same way ever again and and sparseness i guess strange that treat me like your mother didn't make it to any of our top three yeah it it's a good one but i think it's just it's to me that it, that is I, the only I, I other see. single worthy song and I, it was a single uh so like it makes sense but to me that and uh, hang you from the heavens hang you up from the heavens sorry uh are the two single worthies and we we chose to ignore that one <laughs> This treat me like your mother. I liked it more actually after we did our Whorehound episode and I learned that it was it was like a long distance phone call from America to England and there was something about cutting the record on his throat that was part of that conversation. And I mean, obviously, look, there is some definite flirtation vibes happening. At the very least, manuf- yeah, manufactured. Whether manufactured or legitimate or maybe a mix of both, whether, you know, whatever. But like that's part of the appeal of the band, I think, is mm-hmm. that flirtation but yeah i i like it even more after that because it shows the the bond there the bond is strong between those two he's always got to have somebody to bounce off of so in the raconteurs it's brendan and then in this it's it's allison and i think he even described it one time as like hey the white stripes was me producing meg the raconteurs is me producing brendan the dead weather is me producing allison so i even though she's not a prominent vocalist on the song her presence is felt Mm mm-hmm so yeah. have have we gone through our top threes? James, your gold was uh, sixty feet tall. Sixty feet tall. Mine was cut like a buffalo, and Luke Gears was. Will there be enough water? Will there be enough water? Okay, so let's move on to Sea of Cowards here. Luke, when you want to start us off here with your Sea of Cowards choice for bronze bu- buff buffle buffle man. Our our bronze buffle man is the difference between us. Whoa. Let's go. 
I mean, I don't know. We've gotten many albums like this, except for Entering Heaven Alive, where we had an album hot on the heels of the previous one, right? Because this came out in April 2010, and Whorehound had what come out in July 2009? Yeah, something, something like, like that. Year. Yeah, yeah. It may have been May. I saw them in St. Louis in April 2010, you know, and that was already technically the Sea of Cowards tour, which pretty much had just bled into that. So it's cool that they just kind of, it's hard to separate the two, that they just went straight into it. I picked this one partially because I remember at the time, uh, this actually, well, so this is actually the track that got my partner more into the dead weather because Jack said at the time that this was him attempting to write a Lady Gaga song. <laughs> That's right. Or, or that. channeling Lady Gaga, I, I guess. Yeah, he yeah. was, whether it was writing a Lady Gaga song or channeling Lady Gaga, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it does have a different vibe. I thought, you know, the, the keyboards on that, and it does kind of have a separate vibe from the rest of the album, which I think helps it stand out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, after I told Jeanette that, she listened to it and was like, oh, no, I hear that. And appreciated the sort of, poppiness of it yeah well you can cry like a baby but i didn't put this in my top three but i it was close i i almost put this as my bronze because i felt uh that this song is also powerful and has that the allison vocals are really strong on this one lyrically it's it's interesting i think this this album does what whorehound didn't do which was do the jammy stuff but with more depth to the lyrics or at the very least intentional depth to the lyrics um so like i i like this song a lot though it's it is a solid choice you remember when those two tv repairmen accidentally found the background hum of the universe and the evidence of the big bang what (laughs) um that's what i feel like this is i feel like this is the background hum of the dead weather somewhere on every Dead Weather album, this song is playing at all times. <laughs> it's like this—it's just blends to me, not in a bad way, but just it blends so much. My, my picks tended to be the the ones that jumped out. To me, this one doesn't jump out. This one conforms to the overall aesthetic of the group. I feel like this one jumps out on Sea of Cowards a little bit more. But if you were to put it on, I think Dodge and Burn, it would, I, I think it would, yeah, feel part of, it would feel samey. More of a piece, yeah. I'm not saying it is a criticism, actually. I'm just saying it's like, that, that's the way I feel about a lot of Dead Weather songs. And this one is one of those right. that just feels like, like a lot of the Dead Weather feels like one long song. Like the three it, it, albums yeah. are just one song. The thing about Sea of Cowards in general not in general. It's seeing about Sea of Cowards uniquely, actually, is that the songs blend song to song. They do a really solid job of transitioning to the next song, so much so that it does feel like one long jam uh, at yeah. times because the transitions are really seamless. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just this that. song does that well. The transitions. Uh, but this song is also super about sex like finding the difference between us let's let's go where no one can see us and find the difference between us is saying hey let's go in a in that (laughs) bush over there and you show me yours i'll show you mine and it's got a weird sex vibe to it that i i really didn't pick up on until this last listen to which was this afternoon i was like oh oh oh, no 
I think I'm never going to be able to unhear that, actually. Um, and I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's somebody in an unhealthy place who is using sex to just like a throwaway sexual encounter to make themselves better. I don't think it is actually rapey, but it, it does have that kind of like, hey, you, you and me right now, we're going to go fuck. And it's just something I need to do because she's not doing so well. Anyway, that's this song to me. It is a fun song, aside from those connotations. But wow. Um, well, <laughs> all right. Uh, I think we got to move on here. I think we have to move on to James's bronze pick. James, uh, do you have anything <laughs> weird or disturbing to say about <laughs> your bronze? <laughs> Am I wrong though? No, I don't think you're wrong. No. All right. My, you might be mad, but it's I'm mad. So this this almost was my bronze. Wow. Not necessarily because of oh well shit. I uh, sorry, I'm stealing your thunder. You're fine. You, you no, no, no. It's first. it's fine. I'm I'm mad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the the hahas are what win me over in this. Honestly, if I was to pick the difference between us, or I'm mad, it is close. But Allison's forced laughter and I don't know. It's got the sh- kind of. That, uh, I keep using the word bombastic, but it's got that the, those kinds of strong vocals, kind of vaguely angry vocals. It's very killsy in that way. It, mm-hmm. I, I do tend to like the kills type songs on these albums, so I don't know. It's it's good. This song and is it Rough Detectives? There's an analogous song to me on Dodge and Burn that has similar Allison vibes to it. I, I don't know. I really like it. I don't know. It's it's just her shouting at me, and I I'll, she could shout at me if it's fine. I think the middle section of this song, you know, it's sort of that breakdown. It's the single greatest thing that Deadweather ever did. That is so. That is the best like piece of music that Deadweather ever recorded. Great.
yeah, and those those synths, like what it's the voice going into the synth or whatever, like um, where you have that blending between everything, and it just is so fucking cool. Yeah, this is where I think they absolutely nail it. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is my bronze as well, James. Wow, um, mm. for that exact re- for what you just said, Luke, that middle section, I think is the highlight of the album. Aside from bl- yeah, well, I was about to spoil, but. but I think there is one song on this album that transcends the dead weather. I will put it to you that way. It's old Mary. I'm just kidding. Uh, but there's, there's one song that transcends the whole band on this album, which is an outlier to me. And then there is that moment in I'm mad. That is just next level. Like that talk about wanting to push this band in different directions other than, and to break away from the sameness that's how you do it because it still sounds like the dead weather because it still has that sleazy dean lick thing happening yeah that very very ballsy queens of stonage thing but then that synth is that extra dimension which you don't get on whorehound Mm -hmm. uh, which they don't ever i don't think they ever actually achieve those heights again in my opinion on i think dodge and burn doesn't ever achieve this same kind of height i don't think it grows from it in other words this uh yeah. this moment to me is another direct line to fear of the dawn um where he's using a lot of synth and those kinds of effects and things mm. i can't remember what does it lose the right there's one where there's there's like a vocal throw and then it comes back Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. I um, guess they do they do that. Yeah. And I like mm-hmm. that a lot on Dodge and Bird. But like that that's the kind of the synthy uh, experimental stuff that I, I enjoy. It goes into the psychedelic pop territory with that. Yes. I agree. We both talked about two of the songs that bleed into each other, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz difference between us kind of bleeds into I'm mad, mm-hmm. which also then I mean, I think the I think the whole A side pretty it's much bleeds into transitions each individual yeah. track. But holy crap, what a f- I mean, what a phenomenal A side to an album. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil anything, but this may be one of the stronger A sides of his old career, to be honest. Yeah, it's strong. Yeah, or any of theirs. I mean, it's a because also this is one of the shorter albums he's ever put out mm-hmm. at thirty six minutes. Breezy. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's only what did we determine? Broken Boy Soldiers was thirty three or uh, thirty three at thirty seven. I think I have the whole listing somewhere here. I have it's, to dig it out. It's. One of the shorter albums, if not the second shortest albums, I think it served really well by that fact of being a, a better sort of pop album in a sense of being of getting in and getting out and not overstaying its welcome, which I think sometimes, you know, I think sometimes the dead weather does overstay its welcome, but this feels just perfect. Yeah. It's, it's Alison Moss Hart running at your door, ringing your doorbell, punching you in the face, wearing a leather jacket and then running away. Like that is this album. <laughs> oh, well, no, she, she's wearing the mask from the cover. Yes. The, they have their masks. Well, it's, yeah. It's, it's what that it's like the midi or the Renaissance doctor's mask mm-hmm. or whatever she has on the plague mask. Uh, so we've heard all of our bronze. Now, Luke, what's your, what's your silver? My silver is blue blood blues. Sorry. Your silver Buffalo. <laughs> my silver buffalo is um, blue blood is blues. blue blood blues
I tell you, I gotta stop going last in these things. Y'all pick all my shit. I mean, um, you did this, picked mine too. You done picked mine too. We're all in the hand holding club. This was my gold. This is I my gold this, as well. Yeah. Okay. I think this transcends oh, the band. This is that song I was talking about. This is transcends the dead weather to me. But Luke, tell us what you think. I think this is almost what people wish the dead weather yeah. were when they first heard. <laughs> Am I just stealing your talking points? I think this is what people wish the first single was yeah. from Warhound. You know, when you're introduced to the dead weather. I think this is what people wish they heard is obviously Jack singing. This definitely is an extension of I cut like a Buffalo feels like I cut like a Buffalo part two, maybe more thought out and maybe a little bit bluesier too, right? It's got more, certainly more bluesy lyrics than cut like a Buffalo. Blues your name. It it would feel right at home on freaking blunderbuss. This would feel right at home on Lazaretto. Yeah, this would feel Actually, right at home on entering heaven alive. It's surprising he's never played this solo, right? Or I has he? It's, yeah, yeah he did. It's yeah, one of those did. songs where if he did, it was like one. He's played it once or twice. It's not. No, a, I think he's played okay. this one fairly often. I don't I'm, think so. Oh, okay. But and on that first tour when he was, he didn't maybe, have as much to pull from. I think he did. But Blue Blood Blues is one of those songs where you know the it has the Jack solo guitar that. I think, what Luke, what you were saying, a lot of people were looking for in the Whorehound stuff. And it is such a good live song. This one does release that tension, to say it less disgustingly than Paul's to completion. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, uh, it definitely releases that tension. That solo, is, where he, especially, like, there's the video of him bleeding all over the, like, the strings playing this at the end. It's so good good it's a good song it's intense it's loud it's what i want to hear from this band sometimes you know i I said it was cut like a buffalo part two it is also almost hanging up from the heavens part two because you come in with those drums and you come in with that fuzz bass yeah whereas hanging up from the heavens is boom boom, you know this is it has a good bass to it good deep fuzz bass another one that uh jack lawrence demos in that video Right, yeah. Uh, it's got uh, some of our f- our favorite lyrics, which is check your lips at the door, woman. Check your hips like battleships. Mm. <laughs> crack a window, crack a broken bone. Crack a bone. Crack, crack your knuckles, knuckles when you're at home. home. It's Make just, ice cream cone. there's something very <laughs> visceral about his lyrics in this. Uh, it's... <laughs> It's really good. It's really funny. I think I've said this on the show before, but I remember driving home from Best Buy with my roommate at the time in the car, putting this CD in, hearing this and going, oh my God. Like it, it yeah. was the it, the coolest I'm, thing I ever heard. At the I time. just want to know what he means by check your lips at the door, woman. Like, does that's, <laughs> that's shut the fuck up and dance. Ah, wow. All right. Because I was... I was thinking a lot of this had to do with with all the with white more sex. <laughs> that is all right. Can we talk about Jack singing lines he probably shouldn't sing? Um, sing it Sunday service. Service, yeah. Because like this, this kind of comes goes up with um, Lordy Lord when he's singing Lordy Lord. It's got that like it's like. Uh, are you singing no. from experience here, Jack? I feel like maybe you should have reference somebody else like talk to somebody else about this but uh it is very funny <laughs> that lyric at least feel like is a bit 
tongue in cheek because you can't help but, you know, when he says all the white girls trip when I sing at Sunday service, you can't help but picture some, I mean, I think we all grew up Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't help but picture some sort of little nerdy Catholic kid. <laughs> there's no place, un- there's no place less cool than being <laughs> at a Catholic mass singing as, you know, I again went to Catholic school and we had to do that on a weekly basis as part of music class was sing at mass. And that is something that nobody trips on. I, it does. So that's, that, that, that's why I feel like it's a tongue in cheek line of yeah. how uncool it is. I see it. <laughs> yeah. I see it as more of a tongue in cheek line because, because of the way he's singing it. Yeah. yeah. I see. I think of it more as a, a Southern Baptist church that is predominantly black and has some white girls in it, and everybody else does not like his music except for a couple of these white girls. <laughs> and that's how I always perceived it is like, yeah, <laughs> he's not really singing soulfully, but these white girls, they love that shit. When I first heard it, I heard it as trying to impose the more effervescent fun of a Southern Baptist church in that. Yeah. That, singing and joy and everything like that and imposing it on the boredom of a Catholic mass. Yeah. He's it's intentionally subversive in that way for sure. Yeah. And it comes across as funny, but it is complex. It's, it's actually quite complex and maybe it didn't even start off that way. Maybe it was just off the cuff because fucking this sounds like something he would say. I don't know. It just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a remarkable piece of songwriting and it's a great example. And I think probably that's why C cowards is, my favorite of the three because it displays really the heights of what this band is capable of. It's capable of a Jack white solo level song and it's capable of those moments. Like I'm mad, which I didn't, we even James, I know you mentioned the ha-has. Yeah. Those are also really fucking funny. And I'm mad like this, this band is really funny. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one of the things I love the most about it. maybe his funniest band actually, now that I'm thinking of it. It's interesting how similar Whorehound to Sea of Cowards is that Broken Boy Soldiers to Consolers of the Lonely is. Broken Boy Soldiers and Whorehound almost feel like rough drafts of yeah. figuring out the band. Mm. And then the second album feels like figuring out, oh, okay, this is this is who we are. However, I think then they went the opposite way, whereas Broken Boy Soldiers was a nice, short pop album. And then they record this long sort of 70s vibe album that's almost like 50 minutes long, something like that. Mm-hmm. Whorehound is jammy and sparse, um, and, it, and it's about 44 minutes long. And then they go to Sea of Cowards, and then they go to a short pop album almost Yeah, that's big and loud. It is a lot louder there's a lot less silence in it. Uh, I'm looking specifically at the Invisible Man song, uh, which, <laughs> which is a silly song. Uh, I love that song. It, I do too, but it's yeah. it is silly. And but that song is indicative of of where they're headed. Uh, yeah. In that it's it's faster, louder, with less intention to me. I don't know. It, if he whipped it, that out in concert, I would be so happy. I mean, I, I yeah. Think, I think I've also mentioned this on the show before, but that was a point when listening to this album. I used to drive a coworker in to work every morning, and I was playing this album a lot at the time. And I remember him hearing Invisible Man and going, man, this is some white people music right here. <laughs> <laughs> we like, all trip at Sunday service. I'm tripping I, at Sunday service, yeah. 
so that uh, was your silver, correct, Luke? That was my silver, and that was both of your golds? It was both of our golds. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, so what are your silvers? Uh, my silver buffalo was gasoline. God damn it! <laughs> well, we'll go in reverse order next time. How about that? That was my silver! I have a lot of good memories attached to this song, which color it, which is me and Paul screaming it at our friend Mike Jesitis, our right, friend yeah. and cousin Mike Jesitis. Somehow. <laughs> it's inexplicable. Inexplicably. Um, <laughs> uh, we went to uh, the Marywood Post Pavilion, Merryweather yeah. Post Pavilion mm-hmm. uh, show, the solo show. And after the show was over, we cranked Paul's stereo up to as loud as it could go with gasoline and just shouted it just oh for no good reason just a guttural shout yeah i've lost my voice by the way it's still it's starting to return but i can oh i could get deep down there with this uh with this voice anyway (laughs) the gasoline you should have done that the whole time and freaked people out oh yeah James gonna get deep down. Welcome to the Third Man Podcast. Third Podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's find the difference between us. Well, James, I think I uh, that is what I think the kids, the Gen Z, would call borderline. Borderline reach. Anyway, hey, <laughs> it's mid. Anyway, uh, we mid. Are- I heard that the other day. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I felt as though they simply they simply forgotten a portion of the word. Paul is kids turning, today. Am I right? Paul is turning into an old man. He's not watching nearly enough TikTok. I'm not on the TikTok. I don't care for mid. I got to say, I have favorites. I like whole vibe. I think that's nice. It's I think on they've contributed out. nice things. Are we going? I don't on think a mid is very good. We I just don't. Th- I think they could do better. Is what I'm saying. It's like I never liked Bop. And that's not a Gen Z thing. That's a, that's like that's old. That's early. Young millen- millen- or, yeah. Young millennial. But I mean, Paul, where do you stand on Yeet? I feel like you just grasped onto Yeet, which is already out. I'm, I'm not even Yeet's not even in my sphere. It's not even in my orbit. I don't even have a Yeet. OK, just you yeeted it. Ah, well, um, what are we doing here? Heat. Oh yeah, gasoline is a great gasoline, song. Uh, yeah. It's it's sexy Allison. It's got the cars thing again. The but, shouting, it's good. It's I'm yeah, mad, but, but also but better. It's I'm mad, but better. Exactly. Yes, I agree <laughs> completely. It is very repetitious. This is this is just a kills song, though. I think is where I stand. Yeah, because it's very repetitious. It's all about 
the repetition and the guitar and uh, well, I guess the drumming is I don't know. The bass is the most important part of the song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's I think there's a lot of Dead Weather songs that feel like kill songs if the kills had a drummer. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's and I think that's I mean partly because Allison's doing a lot of the songwriting in both bands, but yeah, yeah I don't know. It, it's it's got Allison vibes because it's about cars too. It's it just feels like what she it's her writing about what she likes and taking the rest of the band on a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also smelling, smelling gasoline is a sense memory. I think most people have, uh, that can instantly trigger some kind of emotion. Uh, so that was also my silver Luke. Have we done your gold yet? I don't think we have. No, we haven't. Oh it's, man. Um, die by the drop. Whoa. Wow. love this song i was surprised me to be picked in this was again because this was the first single from the new album this has that same sort of memory that hanging from the heavens has mm-hmm. but i think i think this is held up more in my esteem just because it is still such a great song i just love the intensity of it it's another one that's hard to separate from the video mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. we had the return of um oh the director who did Broken Boy Soldier, Floria Sigismundi. Yes, I sure. That's how you pronounce the name. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. and it has the same. It has the same creepy vibes that that video had, and I like getting Allison and Jack singing together in that song. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I have too much to say on it other than that. I just love every time I listen to it. I'm excited. Yeah, this one has grown on me over the years. I would go so far as to say I don't think I even liked this song when it came out. I think because I felt that this one was one of the ones where they were kind of taking themselves and that aesthetic a little too seriously. And maybe that was just me conflating the video with it with the video is there's no, I don't think there's a wink and a nod in that video. It's just, I don't know, man, it's pretty dress up, but I I think it's the not stones will shout. Um, any poor souls will trespass against us. Whether it be beast or man, I uh, can't remember the name of the oh, uh, switch in the thank spur. You, switch. It's switching the spur levels of not taking itself seriously. It's it's winking at the camera going, I don't think that's the switch in the spur. I think but, switch in the spur takes itself too seriously. I think both of them are winks and nods. What I like about the song is it leans into the creepiness as opposed to goth coolness. Mm-hmm. I like that, you know, it's not trying to be cool. I like that it's trying to be creepy, which is, I, I don't know, something that they didn't really do a lot. I like, yeah, I like that this is a creepy 
song in that in that regard. The metaphor is interesting. Also, I do like the rewording of you know dying by a thousand cuts or whatever. You know, it's dying by the drop is a, is an interesting kind yeah. of yeah. metaphorical jackism. You know, it's it's cool. Even if he didn't write it, if Allison wrote it, it's it's something that is up his alley. Son, yeah. Uh, yeah, this one has grown on me over the years. I, I like this song. I've learned to separate it from that, even if I that that is an opinion that you neither of you share, that's fine. I, I always interpreted this one as a little spinal tappy in that way, in which Jack can do sometimes for me personally. Like I put this one and uh Would You Fight for My Love and Switching the Spur all in the same basket of just a little spinal tappy, but at the end of the day, it's actually a really good song, regardless of all of that. It's really well constructed. It's got a nice back and forth between Jack and Allison, which you don't always get, especially not on a high level or up tempo song like this. And you know what? The visuals are cool. Um, wow. Okay. So that's, uh, I think we've gone through Sea of Cowards. So let's, let's do a recap. So James, your bronze, silver, and gold. Uh, my bronze Buffalo was I'm mad silver, Buffalo, gasoline, gold, blue blood blues. And mine was I'm mad gasoline and blue blood blues. And I think we, we duplicated there again. Your bronze was I'm mad. Yeah. Wow. Creepy, huh? Very creepy. We are identical that we are yeah. Yeah. All right. We didn't coordinate that. And Luke, yours? Yeah. Difference between us: uh, blue blood blues and die by the drop. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, also solid. I agree with Luke that this A side is it's good. It's a good A side. All right. Well, YouTube maniacs, I'm gonna go first this time. We're full of grace. Do it. Um, actually, I really was actually close on Old Mary. It's a silly <laughs> song, but I really love Old Mary. Oh. Oh no, I love Old Mary's great. Yeah. I, I, it's, I mean, it's funny. Again, again, we talk about the Catholic thing. Yeah, you know, it ends with you know bastardization of um, Hail Mary. Yeah, Old Mary. Yep, yep. Little Greece. This is this is where the Jack voice was born. By the way, I think your heart stops within you. Oh, <laughs> uh, my bronze for Dodge and Burn is three dollar hat. hat i think dodge and burn is the album with the least standouts to me and so picking standouts on dodge and burn was actually kind of hard Mm. to me dodge and burn has huge hits and just a whole lot of mid 
James. Wow. A whole <clears throat> lot of mid. But $3 hat, primarily because it's the Jack vocal, primarily because it's so insane. Um, it is a silly song, but I love uh, that uh, it, it riffs on that Jackie Lee thing a little bit and stuff like that. And it is funny. You know, it's funny. And it's got the interplay between the two. It's Jack White rapping, but I think he does it well. And that's, uh, I don't have much more to say about it. I think we've talked about $3 Hat like a lot. I yeah. wish you would play it live more often. Um, $3 Hat, hey, my bronze. Hey, Paul, ask me about the rest of this album. What do you say? What do you, what do you think about the rest of this album? James, what do you think about the rest of this album? Bussin'. All right. Now I've, I have definitely shown my, my love to Gen Z there. I'm so sorry <laughs> that I, Try, did you just trying say? to get those younger listeners, huh? Um, I said bussin', Paul. It's the fuck is uh, bussin'? Oh god! Oh good god! So uh, Gen Z loves to ride the bus, yeah. and so if something's really cool, <laughs> it's bussin'. You're taking the bus, you know. Buses are cool. Um, I feel like I feel as though you two could be making this up, and I would have. I'm known not. It. I'm not making it up, and it's it's. I look buskin. No bus bussin with the Beatles. <laughs> Yeah, Gen Z loves Richard Buskin. They're just so all about thing is Richard Buskin. <laughs> My skin with the Beatles. <laughs> okay, so back on topic. My bronze is I feel love every million miles. I struggled not to put this on the list because I think it's actually objectively, as a Dead Weather song goes, the strongest Dead Weather song. It's very strong. It's a good single. It's a good song. All of the songs on this album were singles. We can all agree on that. (laughs) If they weren't A-sides, they were Bs. Uh, (laughs) This this is my silver. It's a good song. Yeah, it's solid. Yeah. Um, It's... uh, this is a kick in the door song. This is a stru- like a really cool riff. Jack Lawrence has some. I was gonna say snappy bass, but that is not how you describe bass music. Slappy bass. He's got some it's really a slappy bass. He's got some- that's James. That's Flea. Star of Back to the Future right, two yeah, and three. No, that that bass really slaps. It's really good. Um, I never and- all the way warmed up to slaps either. I acknowledge slaps. I've even I think attempted to use it. Paul, we're but on I've hour never 40, warmed up. We're on one hour and forty-four minutes. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. I'm just, all I'm saying is I could. I think they could have done better than slaps as well. 
Okay. Anyway, I do love the every million miles call and response. It's fun. It's cool. This album, more than others, is a car album. It's all about cars mm-hmm. and uh, Karma herself. Karma uh, herself <laughs> has has really uh, influenced the trajectory of it. So I I do love it. It's good. I feel it every million miles. Luke bronze. Uh, my bronze was um, Buzzkiller. that I think was drastically improved by the production on the album version as opposed to the single. I always forget that there are the differences there. There are Um, differences between them. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, I think I thought they were actually two different performances, but I think they're, they're just different production. I think they're, they're different mixes differently. Yeah. I guess, I don't know if I have too much to say on this one. It was just going through the album, thinking about what my top three were. This I almost went with Rough Detective. Mm, it was close because I do enjoy that track. But one. this, I kept coming back to Buzzkiller. That was, I just really enjoyed that one. I don't know why. And what, it's the second second song on the album, right? So This, yeah. So I, I liked, I really liked the kind of one-two punch of I Feel Love Every Million Miles and then going into Buzzkiller. Now, we talked about the synthesizer on I'm Mad, but the buzz pedal being featured on this, the... the I don't know. There's some really cool fuzzy, fuzzy, buzzy uh, mm-hmm. kind of uh, electronic vibes that, that emanate from this song that uh, are interesting to have because they're not something you're used to hearing on, on any of the other tracks. Personally, I feel this is their best. It feels like a blues track. It feels like a a loud, mm-hmm. heavy blues track. But again, it, it I finally feel, I don't know, this feels like one of the only blues tracks on the album. Is there a gate being used on the on this track for the the buzz pedal? The when he's is he flicking a gate open and closed to make the sound turn off and on again? Or am I? Oh, I don't know. It's a good question. Am I making that up? Anyway, yeah, uh, blues blues track. It is it is very bluesy. It's a cool sort of. It feels a bit jammy, but not too much like some of the other ones do. Um, I love the guitar sound on it. Yeah, again, it just it feels like a blues song. I don't feel like we got enough blues on this album. Yeah, I don't care for this one. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I love all my Dead Weather albums equally. I love this album so so much. 
Uh, just, it is my favorite Dead Weather album. Oh no, 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 not the album. I meant this. Song. I just don't care for yeah. Buzzkiller too much. I oh. just, I, well, Buzz I know Killer, Luke, yeah. it is Luke's least favorite Dead Weather album. The echo, oh, the reverb in this song. I'm listening to like bits it of is, it. I, oh, the whatever <laughs> pedals and effects they're using on this. Yeah. So fun. I agree with that. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. Sounds like noise to me. <laughs> <laughs> Paul doesn't. <laughs> understand i don't think this one slaps at all James. paul thinks this is mid if anything no, no I, I i don't say that lightly like i i don't know maybe i was just like uh he doesn't stand this uh i was in i was in jack white solo mode when this came out and i think that this was like a felt at the time as a regression or just something jammy and i'd I, for that reason, I didn't really go for it. Whereas I went for other songs on the album that maybe were a bit more experimental or more in line with the cleaner kind of Jack solo sound. I don't think you're alone in thinking that. If I'm not mistaken, our uh, friend of the show, Josh Aiken, also feels that way about a lot of Jack noise. A lot of people do. I, I tend to like the effects pedal usage in moderation, there's a lot of squeaks and squawks, but this song, I think, uses it quite well. And interestingly, I think it uses it, or I guess, uh, uniquely. I don't know. There's something, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something about the, the effects pedals of this particular song that are really cool to me. So I'm going to go next with Mile Markers is my silver. That's my silver, too. Hey. Now it's a Sea of Cowards song, technically. If I had, if I, <laughs> I feel like Mile Markers and Cop and Go would have made a great medley. Because I think Cop and Go has more of the oscillation or the, I keep asking, I think I'm, I'm using that wrong. It has that uh, dynamics that I'm looking for more. Mm-hmm. In fact, sometimes I get the two confused to the point where I sort of, like when I first heard this album, it all washed over me. And I didn't really think there were like any standout tracks except the, first and last songs <laughs> but when i was like listening really hard and and, and three dollar hat of course because it's hard not to have that song stand out but when i listen like 
when I was trying, I was making like an effort. I remember I was in a mall parking lot, sitting there, concentrating, making an effort to find favorite songs. And I was like, okay, Mile Markers has some standout moments in it, as does Cop and Go. And I think between those two, Mile Markers is just a stronger song. And it may just be by virtue of, like we yeah. heard them play it, not only like you're saying, James, like the bonus track on Sea Cowards, but we have that live, not live, but that band performance recorded version of it which is sounds great and you know and i think ultimately the song is good and it, it's got between your door and my door that's a, sort of a memorable little bit there mm-hmm. i think if you were to strip this song down uh, with away from its lyrics it is got some poetry vibes to it that i you know some like slam poetry vibes i would i would really enjoy hearing it acapella with no music mm-hmm. because i think it's it's a stream of consciousness about allison driving on a long trip and i think it i don't know it's got some really artistic merit i think from that pointing out porn in payphones paul is a really <laughs> funny good. line that's really there's good. really like i don't know it's it encompasses american road trips in a way, through at least through the desert and through Route 66 and stuff, you know, I was just looking at all of these things through the Midwest, and I don't know, it's cool. It it's got Allison cool vibes. I'm saying vibes a lot, but it's just this song is vibes, man. Uh-huh. I'm gonna yeet it at you. This and, song is vibes. <laughs> and also, you have the musicianship on this song is particularly solid and clean mm-hmm. mentioning that this is a, a sea of coward song does kind of sum up my overall problem with this album though is this album to me never feels like a cohesive piece it feels like a bunch of leftover tracks you know like like led zeppelin's coda or something <laughs> like that where it it feels like a compilation of well what do we have you know and because like there's you know there's a lot of mccartney albums like that too where it's kind of like stuff Pipes of in storage. Yeah. And I, you know, I really like McCartney three, but a lot of McCartney three is yeah. songs that were left over from previous albums or just stuff that never made it. And I don't know. Yeah. This album just feels like leftovers <laughs> or, you know, what was uh, cold cuts, you know, McCartney, you know, that <laughs> album McCartney was going to come out with the eighties. It, it feels like dead weather tracks that didn't make, the other two albums and then a couple about a couple of tracks they recorded new which however i think i'm a do we all have the same gold i don't know oh probably must. almost almost definitely. wait did we all have our I, did we all do our silvers i think so yeah mile markers is mine okay mine was i feel love every million miles which we talked about so should we do a three, two, so one, and then I'll say our impo- okay. Uh, I'll say our <laughs> three, two, two, one, one. one. impossible, impossible win. That was very, uh, very u- in unison. I am a desert sun, the ever endless sea. Not a drop of blue wine is where it shouldn't be. I'm a wheel going round. In a mirror house, a maze with no way out. What you have fears about holding on to everything that's coming and gone. I need distraction. Give me a room in between everything I ever seen. Don't be long. I'm no beginner. I 
we have talked about this song a lot on this show. I think it is so successful because it stands out so much. And that may color ultimately our perception of it, I think, a little. But I don't care, actually, if even if that was the case, because it's a beautiful piece of pop writing. Mm-hmm. When are we ever going to get a beautiful piece of pop writing like this ever again? <laughs> you know, out of Alice. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he, she had the chance to release poppy songs like this subsequently and hasn't. And it just really good. Shows her chops. Yeah. yeah her singing's great on this. She touches it a little bit on Ash and Ice. Uh, with, with some with some tears. Yeah. But... Not, not like this, though. I know. This is a, a, a whole extra mile uh forgive the pun but this could have been a one of these you know i mean maybe not exactly but close you know pretty close it is a standout track it is i think baffling its existence is baffling for this band never had strings Uh, really i mean (laughs) it sounds like nothing they've ever produced which is why it's baffling because even the rest of the album still rings as dead weather until this one which doesn't, but, but it is a really good song. It is just Allison. I think it shows what the rest of the album could have been. Not obviously, not that we would have gotten a whole album of music sounding like this, mm. but we could have had an album with a little bit more diversity of sounds that this song would have slotted more naturally into as opposed to you get to the end and you're like, holy shit, what is this? But I, I don't think it's terribly jarring when you get to it, but it definitely towers over the rest of the album of being like, well, shit, what else could they have written? What else could they have put on this album if they hadn't taken songs that were you know, originally recorded for Sea of Cowards? Or I think there was a better album out there that we, yeah, that, that they didn't. Well, maybe record. we'll get one soon i hope but imagine hearing this live what i would do to hear this oh, one yeah. live it would never happen mm-hmm. because uh even with the rack and tours when they did um what was the end song on rack and tours uh on the um oh, on help a stranger yeah which is is always kind of how i the thoughts I, and prayers i yeah i connect thoughts and prayers to impossible winter a lot because they are both very yeah. uh airy songs very pop like the strings yeah they think the strings do a lot for that but you know they they played thoughts and prayers a couple times in the blue room and then just never again or if they did it was you know never had they did it when i saw them at the ryman because they right. played the the whole that album. second night of the ryman they put yep and so, yeah they had it they did it then the music video is great yeah music video is great anyway yeah we did we it. made it everybody Thank you for joining us for season seven. Luke, thank you for being here for the finale. What a long, strange trip it's been. I feel like we're writing in each other's yearbooks right now. We will be back, hopefully, uh, and uh, pursue a season eight in the fall. We love you all. Thank you for the support this year. Thanks to Third Man Records for continuing to answer our emails for some reason. And, uh, you know, our special guests this season, the Paranoids, Ben Blackwell. <laughs> Blackwell joined us. That's right. William Tyler uh, joined us as well. We had Cinnamon from uh, from Third Man as well. We had, we had a bunch of cool special guests. We really appreciate it. And um, 
we'll sign out of this season here by saying where we're going to be looking for a home maybe this this summer okay so this summer i will be looking for a home far from my weapon oh all right uh and i will be not my best not no my finest. no it's not your finest hour paul Mm-mm. but that's okay it's not mine either oh i'll be looking uh, for a home i'm gonna visit james in august as it turns out yeah. i'll be looking for a home over there and uh i will be counting those mile markers between your door and my door paul but i will be looking for a home uh at a truck stop diner with a christian name luke where will you be looking for a home I will be looking for a home <laughs> with enough water uh, because we've been getting lovely amounts of rain in Colorado, which is very odd, but very welcome, seeing as how we've been in a 20-year drought. Uh-huh. There we, we go. Did it. So, there w- so there will be enough water, <laughs> and our soil's not able to handle it. It's uh, been as dry as a bone horse. Bone house? It- <laughs> and that sums up... <laughs> The co-host of a seven-year running Jack White podcast couldn't remember. If anyone on planet Earth should have been able to pull that one up. Uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's as dry as a bone, bone house that has... No horse. horse. <laughs> I got a pony. Bye. I named him Lucifer. All right, bye. The Third Man Podcast was created, edited, and produced by Paul and James Kaminsky. Our theme song, We're the Third Men, was recorded by the band Radkey, who can be found at radkey.net. To contact the show, visit thirdmenpodcast.com or email thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at the thirdmen underscore podcast on Instagram, at thirdmencast on Twitter, and search the Third Men on Facebook. Thanks to our Patreon patrons, to everyone who has rated, reviewed, and subscribed, and see you next time. We can all agree Paul is also a deeply confused man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So I'm going to open up. I do love that. That McCartney track. Give Scotland back to the Scottish. (laughs) To the the Irish. It was really controversial. (laughs) It was very confusing. (laughs) And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show.
you know, I always cringe whenever they have like one of those bands on those Beatles podcasts. Like, man, yeah, we love the Beatles, and we did this song as a John Lennon tribute track, and it's just the yeah. It, like, it, they always go into like yeah. the neat. Yeah, there was like. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Strawberry Field and drive my yellows, and you're like, "Oh my god!" And then there's a, there's like shitty sitar in the background. You're just like, oh, "This is the worst music I've ever heard." <laughs> Little more echo. They never did Carson Daly. Oh man! Imagine. Well, I guess the Wreck and Tours probably were around during Total Request Live era. Um, I well, don't think so. No, remember when he was—he was on after some. He was on after they had a Conan, Carson right? Daly talk show. Or, yeah, you didn't know this? No, he was on at like he was on. At, I'm almost certain he was on after Conan at like. 2 I mean, I would see Conan and then turn is, it off. Uh, is Carson in the room with you now, Luke? <laughs> is it is it Johnny Carson? Is he? 